Justin Tucker, the senior, on to try a 40-yard field goal out of the hold of Cade McCrary. The final play of the rivalry. Good snap and hold. Tucker's kick is up. Justin's kick is good! It's good! Hey, I'm doing pretty good, man. You know, we got Mike Roach on here, recruiting insider editor for Horns 247. It's always really, really cool when he joins us. Talk a little bit about recruiting, obviously coming off a tough, a tough loss to Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry. Um, how do we move on from, you know, you got number 12, Oklahoma State coming in DKR this weekend. Um, on Saturday, it looks like a big noon kickoff on, on Fox. As Mike's, I think, said before, I think it works out really well for, for the coaching staff when it comes to these these 11 o'clock kicks. Uh, Mike, what's your thoughts on that, these 11 o'clock kicks and these recruiting events? Yeah, I think if you ask coaches, they prefer that um, over the night game. And that's simply because they get to spend more time with recruits. So if you win an 11 o'clock game, you've got the rest of the day to spend with those guys on campus. Whereas if you've got a 2.30 game or even a 7 p.m. game, you know, you're at the hotel for the morning portion of that until you get to the stadium and you don't, you know, you kind of got a skeleton crew of recruiting staff who is uh, hosting those recruits on campus. So the the cool part about those 11 a.m. games is getting those guys in there and um, maybe winning and, and then being able to kind of join in that the rest of the week. I mean, I'm sorry, the rest of the day. So uh, first question, and I'll, I'll let Jeremy take uh, the second question here. What does this weekend's loss to OU mean in the landscape of recruiting? Uh, not a ton. I mean, I it's one of those situations, and I wrote about this on Saturday, on Sunday in my pick six column, that it would have been a lot cooler had they won than it matters if they lost. Uh, I think if they won, it, it would have had a lot more positive impact than the negative impact of them losing. A lot of people, frankly, have just expected now Texas to lose that game. I mean, it's sad as it is, that's the, that's the expectation. You know, I, I often wonder – if it had it had that game played out differently, had it been just your normal shootout where they traded scores and Texas just came up short at the end, would it be looked at the same way as, as blowing the big lead that they did? I don't know, but you know, I mean, as far as how much it moves stuff, it doesn't move a ton. You know, I think that all that matters. And, and I said this after the Arkansas game as well, all that matters is how you respond. Um, and everything's still in front of Texas as far as the ability to go win the conference and, uh, and went out and get that rematch against Oklahoma. So I think that I think that your your pitch remains the same for those guys. If you're talking to Evan Stewart or Ernest Green, who's coming in this weekend for an official visit, or uh, you know Quincy Wiggins, who's coming in this week for an official visit, the pitch is still, hey, look, we we're playing with the best team in our conference and one of the best teams in the country in Oklahoma. We didn't quite have enough guys like you to finish the deal come help us out and we can, you know, we can finish this. It wasn't a, we got outclassed by our rivals, you know? And, and so I think that that hits a little different. And so, you know, it's all really about how they bounce back. I, you guys are getting uh are we live on YouTube right now? Or is this going up later? We're live. We're live. Okay. So I'll, I'll say I, you guys are getting the, the preview of my thoughts on this, but I wrote <laughs> for Mike at night, uh, which is going to drop here in about 50 minutes um, that I always kind of thought, over the past couple of weeks, regardless of what happened in the Red River game, this Oklahoma State game is 
was the most important game of the season from a recruiting standpoint because of the because of the list of guys you're going to have on campus and also just because of the fact that Oklahoma is odds on to either get first or second and be in Dallas in December for the Big 12 championship game. If your goal is to be there and win it, you're going to have to beat the Oklahoma State's, Baylor's, West Virginia's of the world that, that Texas usually has trouble with. There's a lot of people that, that like I said, don't frankly expect them to beat Oklahoma. The goal is take care of all those other middle ground teams and make sure you put yourself in, in a position to win the conference. And so all that's still there. I, I know it was a disappointing weekend. It was a disappointing Saturday for Texas fans, but um, you know, time to get up off the mat and, uh, and try to recover. Yeah. yeah. Mike Roach is that good, right? So we don't prepare questions for him, <laughs> but, but the second question that we had for him was how big is this o, OSU game is, is it not the best, or the biggest in-season visit weekend that you can remember in some time? Yeah, I would say it's right up there with the the list. And we've put together the list um, so far of names confirmed, and it is just looking at it right now over on Horns 24-7. I would encourage you to go check it out. And if you're not a member, please subscribe, and you can see it there. I haven't done an official count, but I think we're at like 25 names already. Big names. I mean, we're talking – uh, the five official or the four official visitors we have confirmed: Jacoby Matthews, Malik Agbo, uh, an offensive lineman from from Washington; Ernest Green, an offensive lineman from St. John Bosco; Quincy Wiggins, a defensive lineman from uh, Madison Prep in Louisiana. Excuse me, five official visitors: Larry Turner Gooden, the safety from California, also coming in, and then the big un- unofficial names like Arch Manning, Ruben Owens, Shante Cook, Jalen Hale. Anthony Hill. I mean, the list goes on and on. So we've got that full list for you up at Horns 24-7, and it's it's up there. I mean, I the games that stand out to me in the past couple of years that I can remember, the LSU game had a monster visit list, and uh, the USC game that was here had a monster visit list. I think this this list rivals both of those. So um, they've kind of been been marshalling for this one all along, and so I think that uh, I think that they're getting the guys that they want to get there for the most part. So I'm going to go up. Go ahead, Jeremy. No, I got one question. So, yeah. so Mike, it's not hard to sell Jaden Blue and J- Jamarian Miller, you know, with Bijan's performance. It's not hard to sell Brendan Thompson or Armani Winfield or possibly De- Evan Stewart with with X Worthy's performance. What do you talk to when when folks outside the team are talking about offensive line struggles and defensive line struggles? Who are you, what are you talking the, to the offensive linemen and defensive linemen who are we're coming to campus over the next couple of weeks, and then you're trying to solidify for December and, and February. Yeah, that's a different pitch because you can't give them a model. I think you can, like you said, you give Evan Stewart the Xavier Worthy model, and he saw that in all of its glory in the Cotton Bowl. And I think you just tell Evan Stewart, hey, if you're the guy back on kickoff, you don't take that out of the end zone. And and uh, But um, with offensive line, I think it's a little bit different. You've got to – a, talk about the need. There is a big need for a lot of those guys. Ernest Green feels like he could step in right away and play. Devon Campbell, same thing. So there is the need. There is the opportunity. And then I think you sell Kyle Flood, his level of development, um, his pro experience in the NFL, and his experience all over the country as an offensive line coach, uh, a Joe Moore award winner, all those sorts of things. So I think more you, what you have to do there is, is more pitch like you're going to turn around the, the narrative of Texas offensive linemen, and this is the coach that has the proven track record in doing it. Yeah. So when we look at these uh, defensive I'll go back to another question here in a minute. When you look at the defensive linemen that are in class, you're looking at Justice Finkley, Kajore Bledsoe, Jamon Tapp, Aaron Bryant, Christopher Ross, Derek Brown, Zach Swinson, the list goes on and on, and I 
got some edge guys in there as well. When you're looking at guys that may, if these guys sign, obviously their letter of intent come national signing day, what, what, which one of these guys could probably make the biggest impact their freshman year? I think Justice Finkley probably just from this the aspect of he is the uh, he's probably the most college ready physically um, out of all those guys. So I think that he's the guy I could see doing it. Um, but I mean, there's a reason they're they're all in on these defensive linemen and not stopping. I mean, they've got what I think nine, eight, nine in the class, and um, and they're still after Quincy Wiggins this week, and they would still love to close the deal with him. And I think that we saw that. Saturday in Dallas of they just don't have enough horses up front to to rotate and keep fresh and and be able to attack the passer like they want to you know plain and simple they don't generate much much pass rush um, unless it comes from blitzes or, or you know outside pressures or something like that they need guys who can rush rush the passer I think that edge rusher as a whole has been neglected by this program for the better part of a decade, even going back to Mac Brown, like near the end. I mean, if you think about the early two thousands and going from Brian Robison to uh, Brian Arakpo to Sam Ocho to Alex Okafor to Jackson, Jeff Coat and all those guys, I mean, they just had guys after guys who were stud pass rushers. And then it's really gone from kind of, Jackson Jeffcoat to Joseph Asai with a big gap in between and then Joseph Asai to nobody mm-hmm. now. So yeah. they just haven't recruited that position well traditionally. And that's not on one coach. It's on several coaches. And so they need more of those type of guys, guys who terrify quarterbacks and terrify offensive coordinators and, and to think we have to account for this guy wherever he lines up. You know, I think there are a couple of those guys in this class, potentially. It, it just depends on, you know, finding them, developing them. And then and getting them in a position to succeed. It's funny you say that because before we got on here, me and Jeremy had a long discussion about defensive ends that are, are really edge guys that make teams fear them. We actually talked about that. Like, do you have to have an edge guy that makes these these left tackles going to the game thinking, "Oh my goodness gracious, there's a pretty good chance I'm probably going to lose uh, the entire game." Guys that can get bended around the corner. And if you go back and look at that Alabama game versus Texas A&M this weekend. They had edge guys just coming off the edge the entire game against proven linemen that Alabama have. That's something to look at. What What is the impact of and – I, and I hate to go to that team out east, but what's the impact of them beating Alabama do on the recruiting recruiting trail, especially with a guy like Harold Perkins? Oh, I mean, it certainly makes some noise. I mean, it's, it's hard. It would be foolish to ignore the fact that they beat the number one team in the country at a time when everybody was counting them out and – um, what sounded like I didn't get to see the game. I was at a high school game that night, but uh, what sounded like it was a pretty raucous atmosphere there in College Station. Um, it's been really positive recruiting feedback. But again, it, it's all going to depend on how the season finishes. I mean, where do they go from here? Is Zach Calzada the guy that kind of takes them to, uh, okay, we're going to write this ship and, and land the plane better than we thought we were, or are they going to lose two or three more games? And so it just depends. They're going to get a, a big bump out of the short term for sure. Um, with Harold Perkins, I think it's more, you know, I, I I really do think he waits till the end and kind of sees how everything plays out mm-hmm. and, um, you know, sees where, where both, both of these uh, programs are headed. And I think for Texas, if you just stay the course and keep winning one game in front of the other and, you know, look, Texas offensive line is, is obviously it's weakness. That's what got exposed, but they're not going to see a defensive line as good as Oklahoma's is for the rest of the year. I mean, that's, that was what worried me going into the Oklahoma game was that defensive line is as good as any in the country. And I don't think they really get the credit for it, but they've got three guys up front. Uh, You know, if you look at Nick Benito and Isaiah Thomas and uh, 
Perry and Winfrey, who are NFL guys, like no mm-hmm. doubt NFL guys, and and they sh- they made their impact. So as bad as it looked at times on Saturday and in, in the second half and, and just not being able to get anything done, they're not going to face that level of talent again. And I think when you talk about them with Texas facing, you know, a defense like that that did things to them um, that they just couldn't block and couldn't protect, and they still put up 50 points. I mean, that's I, I think that recruits see that sort of thing and and want to look at that going forward. It's crazy that you could put up 50 points or all these points with a, probably a D-minus line. I think that's what's the crazy about it. And I think that's the, it goes down to probably having the best offensive coordinator at all the college football to be able to scheme away from, from the negative things that you have currently going on on the offense, you know, because that's the way I look at it. You got a guy that in B. John Robinson that makes 90% of his plays on his own, right? Because you have a D minus line that's playing in front of him. If I'm going to, to Devin Campbell and I'm going to um, some of these deep offensive linemen that uh, around the country that you're trying to sell, it's like, dude, you got a, you got an opportunity to have a Heisman Trophy running back in the backfield with you that's not going to just make him look good, but it's also going to make you look good, especially if you're able to play to the level in which we think they can play. Yeah, so. yeah. Definitely absolutely. Agree. Yeah. All right, Jeremy, you got something? Yeah, because you you were talking about D-line, and, and I know Clint's favorite you know, D-lineman out of this class is, is Jamon Tapp. When you're talking about guys who who have the ability to brush the pass or in Derek Brown, are, are those type guys, I think Justice Finkley, do you, do you project him, Mike, as an inside guy? Or, or an outside guy? I think he stays outside. I just think more of a strong end type rather than, a, you know, your quick guy off the edge. I think that if you're looking at the guys who are going to be pass rushers, Tap could be there depending on how he fit. He's a big kid. So, I mean, he could physically play at 280, 290. Um, and, and then I don't know if he has that ability at that weight. Derek Brown's obviously the guy you'd love to, you know, kind of convert all that promise and have him be the guy that comes off the edge for you. I think Anthony Jones is probably the forgotten guy in this group that could play that role. I mean, he is extremely athletic, um, had a really strong week this week, actually playing tight end uh, for, for Liberty uh, with like 120 yards and a couple catches or a couple touchdowns. I mean, and um, you know, he's got that first step ability off the edge. So they're getting those guys, you know, they've obviously identified it and said, this is what we need. Um, it's, it's, it's good to see them building kind of from the inside out. Uh, in this class, but they've got to finish on a couple of of others. And I think, um, you know, you've always got to be wary of keeping Tap committed, a guy who, who from Louisiana. I don't sense as much uh, fear with with uh, Finkley, but you know, there is there are a couple guys who I'm sure keeping uh, keeping an eye on Tap to make sure that he's not wandering off anywhere. And then if you can add a guy like Quincy Wiggins, uh, you know, that's obviously massive. Yeah, so I know you just recently uh, did a write up on 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 Louisiana on the on the horse two four seven. I think it's talking about the boot and the way that LSU's kind of at this particular point taking a nosedive, especially with Coach Orgeron out there and his his issues. Is that something that we're trying to, to create that battleground there in Louisiana? And is it a possibility because of what's going on at LSU that we go ahead and and, and try to snatch up to those guys that they're currently either committed or thinking about committed there? I think it's always been a worthwhile venture for Texas to push into Louisiana. And I've, you know, Mac rarely ever did it. Um, Charlie rarely did it. Herman dabbled in it a little bit, but I I would love to see Texas full on commit to go fight some battles because you're going to win out. You're going to win a couple of guys. You're going to get a Jamon tap. Um, you know, you're going to get maybe an Arch Manning. And I think the more battles you win and the more constant you are in that state, 
it's not a state like Texas where they have deep amounts of talent, but their high end talent is as good as anybody in the country. Mm -hmm. And so if you can get in and get one or two of those guys a year, I think that that kind of, you know, it helps you augment some places on in the roster where you can't get it in Texas. And so they're perfectly set up to recruit there. They've got a lot of ties on staff uh, when it comes to Brandon Harris, who played at LSU and is from the Shreveport area, uh, Corday Hankton, who's an analyst from New Orleans, Terry Joseph from New Orleans. Um, you know, there's guys on the staff that are linked to that area, recruited that area for a long time. And I, I, I think I would just love to see them. And, and they are. They've been very invested in doing that so far. And so they've kind of gone in whole hog on the deal. And, and that's what I wanted to see out of them. I talked to a source in Louisiana this week um, uh, over the weekend while I was there and just said, hey, you know, like, what's what's the feel with Texas and everything? And uh, this person just said, look, these kids like Texas. It's close. They can they can go close to home and and still play and play at a high level and now they're going to be in the SEC, but they're just waiting for them to show them something and and that's kind of what it is and I think that if they commit to to recruiting these guys they'll they'll come eventually and so uh, they've done that so far they've got two commits in the state they're in it for guys like Shaz Preston and uh, obviously Quincy Wiggins and so uh, with Arch Manning next year and Will Randall and and a couple of other guys I think that that's going to be a mainstay for them. While we have a minute, let's talk about our sponsor. Another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can just bet $1 on any football game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, so I'd say that is a no-brainer. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play a hey play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot of millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Throw $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code TPPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 rate required. One per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problems? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Before we <laughs> go on, I got a little game, Mike. But before we do that, please plug yours and Nick's podcast. I know you've now gone to YouTube. Uh, State Recruiting Podcast 247. Please take an opportunity to plug that, please. Yeah, for some reason, they want to see our faces um, every week uh, at 247 on our podcast. So uh, we are doing that. Um, it is the State of Recruiting Podcast on the Horns 247 Network, uh, both on podcasts and YouTube. So you can find those uh, anywhere you find podcasts. And, and great inside information. If you're not at Horns 247, getting you know, obviously Nick Harris, Mike Roach's information off off the Orange Two Seven board. Um, always there too. I, I think because you kind of it, it's crazy after these crazy games. You go to the boards. Y'all have to deal with the boards. We deal with the trolls that are in the comment section. It's like goodness gracious, I've been called everything under the sun this week and all kinds of stuff in the in the comment section. So it's it's kind of crazy. But but I tell you what, they answer the questions. If guys get on the board and and start asking questions, that they're very very good about getting on the board to 
to either say something that's either true or false or, hey, got some information coming out. You probably need to, to be aware. And, and it's always, you know, Stampede that comes out on Monday. That's one of the first things I'm looking at is, is a Stampede on Monday. Obviously, Nick at night is, is there. Mike at night is there. It, it's it is definitely uh, worth your while to, to definitely get a subscription to Horns 247. Me and Jeremy have been there for, for years with their, with this content, going back to, to some other guys before Mike Roach actually got there. So, damn, you're, you're giving us a lot of inside information that 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 you you probably didn't have to give us because it's it's over there on your under the Horns 247 Christian button. We appreciate it, though. Um, definitely, definitely appreciate it. 23 class, a little bit. Did you want to say something else, Jeremy? Oh, no, I just want to talk okay. about our game that we're going to play. Okay. Finished or not, and who for 21. Okay. So I'm going to okay. I'm gonna name a player in their position, and then Mike's going to tell me, hey, are we done here, or are we looking for other guys to fill that 22 class? So quarterback Malik Murphy, are we done here, or are we we're looking to get anybody in the 23, 22 class? Sorry. <clears throat> it depends. I think Texas might be in the market for a second quarterback. I was the first to report that a couple of weeks ago, that they are kicking the tires on a couple of guys, one of those guys being Devin Brown. Uh, a quarterback who was committed to USC from uh, Corner Canyon in Utah. Uh, <clears throat> he actually made news today because he called out uh, one of our reporters for giving fake quotes, which, uh, man, what an unfortunate situation. That's about as far as I can go into it. I think that for Texas, it's more about what are the transfer portal ramifications going to be for picking Casey Thompson? Does that mean Hudson Card is eventually going to go into the portal? So I think they are somewhat guarding against that. I think they are looking at maybe taking a second in this class for that reason. And I think they're also looking at taking a second in this class just because they don't love the overall depth in the quarterback room. I mean, if if Hudson Card were gone, that leaves just Charles Wright as your only scholarship quarterback behind Thompson uh, with Thompson set to graduate soon. And so I think that they just want to see some more options, whether that be from the high school ranks or from the portal. Um, I think they will investigate taking a second quarterback at some point. Yeah. And I don't think it's so much against Malik Murphy is that it's, it's depth, correct? Right. I think yeah. it's just that they're not crazy about those, uh, those, those, uh, the, the numbers there. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Let's start running back. Jaden Blue, probably the easy one for you. Jaden Blue, uh, Jamari Miller um, out there out of East Texas. Uh, any more running backs? No, I don't see any more. Yeah, I think they're done at running backs. Uh, uh, Stan Drayton did his homework early um, and was able to go out and party because he got all of his work done um, before the summer ended. So uh, he's got uh, the two best backs in the state of Texas. For my money, two of the best backs in the country. I'm not sure you could be happier with the way a running back class pans out. So I'll go to skill position players. Uh, Brennan Thompson and Armani Winfield are current wide receivers in this class. And we know that young man in Frisco is definitely a coveted target. Uh, is that the only guy we're looking to, to fill this class with? Evan Stewart. They I, Look, I think if they got Evan Stewart tomorrow, they might shut it down and just say we're done at receiver unless Shaz Preston just wants to join and we'd obviously take him. Um, outside of that, you know, if they don't get Evan, they're going to have to find a contingency plan. But they are pretty strong on two of the three guys they wanted. Getting Thompson was huge. Um, adding that type of elite speed. So I think that, uh, you know, I think they are almost done. It's just going to, they just want to bring it home with one more elite guy there. All right. This is a big question. This is what everybody wants to know. All right. Offensive line. we got Connor Robinson, Cole Hudson. We still got a lot more to do there. Yeah, quite a bit more. Uh, find some tackle bodies too. That's the, that's the key. I love Connor Robinson and Cole Hudson. I think that both of those guys bring an element to this team that they don't currently have. Um, but they're both interior players. And even if you land Devon Campbell, who's the number one offensive lineman in the country, 
He's an interior player. You got to find some guys that can play out on the edge and protect the quarterback. Bit two big ones coming in this week when you talk about size wise. Uh, Ernest Green at 6'5, 330, and uh, Malik Agbo at about 6'6, uh, 340. So uh, both those guys are coming in. Both are tackle bodies. And uh, Texas is also still after Cam Williams from Duncanville, who's committed to Oregon. So uh, there's still a lot of irons in the fire there, but yeah, not done by any means. Is it the violence that you like with uh, Connor Robinson and Cole Hudson? I just think they're both really tough kids. Um, They both play really hard. And I think that um, in the past, Texas has signed a lot of kids who are athletic and projections. And um, these guys are, while you may look at them and say, well, the ceiling on their athleticism is what it is. There's no doubt those guys are offensive linemen. They get out on the field, they mix it up, they bury you. And if they get their hands on you, they're going to finish you. They also come from two of the more physical programs in the state of Texas. Um, and they're just, I, I just think that they're that element of nasty on the inside that this team doesn't currently have. And so, um, they are both really nice kids off the field, but if you're on a sideline at either one of those games, you'll hear them mixing it up with the other team. So, um, you know, I know Mac recruited a lot of nice guys up up front and, uh, you know, sometimes you need some guys who are going to not be nice guys on the field. Nasty. Gotta be nasty. I've seen Cole Hudson make a kid do a backflip off the line of scrimmage before with that drive and, like you said, that nastiness that he has. So probably the easy position, you kind of talked about Quincy Wiggins, you know, coming in, but defensive line with with Justice Finkley, Jare Bledsoe, Jamon Tapp, Aaron Bryant, Christopher Ross, Derek Brown, Zach Swanson. Is this group done? They are done, and, and Anthony Jones, too, I would throw in there. He, he's in my athlete category. Yeah, only because um, you guys had him categories like categories like that, right? And and that's because teams were recruiting him both as a tight end and and a guy. I talked to him the other night because he sent me his film from his uh, big you know hundred yard couple touchdown game, and I said, "Well, you're gonna have to tell Sark you're a tight end." And he goes, "No, nah, I'm a defensive guy all the way." Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and slot him in there. Uh, they're done barring a cherry on top type of guy. I think if they can get an elite guy they're not going to turn him down but by no means are they i don't think you'll see him go beat the bushes for uh, a contingency take or a late riser to kind of fill a spot i think that they've filled their spots so i'm, I'm gonna ask you a question that jeremy uh way me and him talked about it we know you're not we know you're you're more recruiting guy on 247 you don't do too much into the team piece jatavian sanders is there an opportunity because he's like fifth in the tight end room or fourth how you want to look at it is there a chance they may try him at defensive end at some particular point that's always been up to Jatavian, from my understanding. I think Jatavian is the guy that didn't want to play defensive end. Um, he's the guy who's always felt he was a receiver or a tight end. And mm. while I love his upside as a defensive end and pass rusher, you know, when you play that position, you got to want to play it. You got to want to go get in fist fights with offensive linemen for 70 plays a game. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I just think that's up to him. If he wants to see the field or if he wants to play it, absolutely get him in the mix because he is a guy that could chase the quarterback. But, you know, if his heart's not in it, he's not going to do you a lot of good over there. Yeah. All right. On to linebacker, uh, Travell Jones, Kerry out of uh, Matter Day. Any, any other takes to the linebacker position? Yeah. Lander Barton is the main guy they're chasing at this point uh, from Brighton and in, in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, and then I think that they're looking at a couple of other guys they would like to land. Harold Perkins doesn't really factor into the numbers at linebacker because they do see him in that star position. So they almost allocate him as like a defensive back. But for the most part, um, I think it's Barton or they may take a contingency late or they may look for something in the portal and 
Um, you know, next year is a good, strong linebacker class. Maybe you just take an extra one there. Yeah, and last year you got Jameer Johnson, Ishmael Ibrahim. You got Jade Barron, Keaton Crawford, and that quarterback position. So currently you only have Champ Lewis. You know, you talked about the boot a little bit earlier. Kid out of New Orleans who we've we had an opportunity to interview on our show. Just remarkable kid, fantastic kid. Do you see any other quarterback takes in this class? I mean, they would love to get Denver Harris. Obviously, that would be a, a great one. Um, if they could flip Terrence Brooks from Ohio State, that's the plan as well. Austin Jordan, I think they see as a guy who could maybe play corner or safety. Um, so it's it's fluid. I think their class so far, um, there's a lot of positional versatility there between the guys they have taken and the guys they're looking at. So, um, you know, it just all kind of depends on how it shapes out. Yeah. Yeah, same thing. Like, um, obviously, when we're looking at safety, you're looking at Brian Allen Jr. and Austin Jordan. Um, is, is another name probably Jacoby Matthews on the Jacob- safety side? Yeah, I think they look at Jacoby Matthews almost the same way they do Harold Perkins in that star position is mm. to be a big hybrid type of guy that can play linebacker or safety. Larry Turner Gooden kind of fits in there as well. Um, they're still after Bryce Anderson. Going to see if they could try to pry him away from Texas A&M. So there are uh, still some irons in the fire there as well. Yeah, so you kind of covered it. I think at this point we have 22 scholarship uh, guys, including the specialists. Yeah, kicker and deep snapper, I'll say they're done too. Okay, yeah, I I didn't even touch them. I had Anthony Jones as an athlete and then Will Stone and Lance St. Louis on the list too. But, yeah, I think they're done. Uh, How many total scholarships does the 22 class – where do you think it ends? Is it 27, 28? I think it could go as high as 29 from the numbers I've counted and then – depending on what they lose in attrition this year, um, the new rule says that they can actually add some additional spots. So that will depend on attrition. But um, I think probably what you're looking at in, fe- in February is a class of 28 or 29. Damn. Do you gray shirt the two kick- kicking the, obviously the, the deep snapper and the kicker? Would you try to gray shirt those guys? I don't think there's any plans to do that. I think they've got the room and they're And they feel they need those guys. So they're going to run them in there. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. Before we let you off here, before we get off here tonight, you know, Jeremy's got to go cook. I'm, I'm a single man right now, so I'm going to have to go film for myself and maybe macaroni and cheese tonight. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Uh, thoughts on the 23 class. We got some probably got the trio coming in this weekend. The trio that are probably going to wind up playing with each other somewhere, I, I can imagine, are, are coming in this weekend. Your thoughts on the 23 class and how we're going to move forward with this? They definitely want to, although if you talk to them, they each have some philosophical differences with a couple of the schools on the list. Like uh, Ruben and Arch love uh, Georgia, but Jonte doesn't. So, um, you know, lining one up, if they all three really do want to play together, it kind of is Texas. It's like the school that that they all three – Alabama, I guess, would, would be up there as well. Um, so – I think that this is a big weekend for 23s. It's, um, you know, you really hope if you're Texas to get Arch Manning on board and and let that ignite your recruiting class. And uh, kind of the same way when Quinn Ewers committed, the buzz we heard off of that of guys wanting to play with him originally, that's what you hope you get with Arch Manning. And so I think that, um, you know, landing him, Jonte Cook is an influential kid in the Dallas area. Um, a lot of kids like him. A lot of kids would love to play with him. Ruben, same way. Those are the three that they've targeted so far. Anthony Hill from Denton Ryan, also on that list of guys. Harris Sewell from Odessa Pervian. Kind of the elites in that class that they've targeted and said, let's try to get you on board early. I don't know how early it's going to happen because Arch is going to definitely take his time and, and do his own thing. 
Um, but yeah, I think the the goal is to they need to start, uh, in my opinion, seeing a, a, some more movement in, in that class. I think a lot of those guys have been sitting around waiting, watching to see what Texas is going to do. Um, now's the time. I think that now's the time where they start pushing for a couple guys and and maybe getting a, some early commits into that class. If you had to ask me who could be a candidate for an early commit in that class, um, a name I really like is uh, – I'll give you two names I really like. They're both defensive linemen, so everybody will love to hear that. Uh, Ashton Porter from Cy Ranch and uh, Avion Carter from Amarillo Tuscosa are guys that I could see potentially shutting it down early and getting into this class. We like defensive linemen. Definitely like defensive linemen. You, you said something, pushing for a commit. And I think is there a really – is there a thin line between pushing for, for a commit and, and running someone off because you're trying to get that commit from them early? I think that there's a difference between recruiting a kid and then really putting the hammer down on the kid and, and like trying to close the deal, right? Like you recruit a kid to get it 95% done, but how do you do the 5% to finish the deal? It's, it's, it's kind of pushing for that. And so there is a, a philosophy I know that coaches, they don't really love early commits because if you take a kid, say you take a kid in summer of his, before his junior year, you've got to hold on to that kid for a year and a half. You've got to worry about recruiting that kid for a year and a half like he's uncommitted. And so um, they really, unless it's an elite guy, don't love him. And so I think that Texas has probably had some opportunities based on what I've heard to take a couple of 23 commits already. But I think they've told those guys, hey, slow your process down. We're still here. We still love you. We're still going to recruit you. But don't feel the need to commit right now. And part of that's because they want those guys to make sure that their decision's done. And part of that is they don't want to babysit that commitment for, uh, you know, a year and a half. So I think we're getting to the point now to where, okay, now as we head into November, December, and get into the spring of those guys' junior years and heading into their senior years, that's when you really start pushing and trying to hammer those down. All right. So nobody wants to hear this, but it's a true. It's a real question. Um, from Greg Lane here, uh, Greg Lane, if, if we don't get Arch, who are some of the secondary uh, 23 quarterback targets? It's a great question, and um, it's frankly one that's worth asking, and that doesn't say anything other than you should never put your eggs all in one basket with anything in recruiting. If they have secondary targets, they have not tipped their hand yet to who those guys might be because they are all in on Arch, and I don't think that they want to show that they're not until they know they're out of it. So right now they don't feel like they're out of it. In fact, Steve Sarkeesian and, and A.J. Milwe will be in New Orleans next week to see Arch on Thursday night. And then he's, of course, coming in. Or Sorry, this week uh, they'll see him on Thursday night. And then he's, of course, coming in for the game. If you ask me, the guy who I love in this class is in the state of Texas, and it's Jackson Arnold from Denton Geyer. He is, to me, the, the top quarterback in the state uh, in 23. He's one of the best in the country. And Texas hasn't really engaged with him yet. I would, and I don't think they're going to. And I, I wonder kind of what his timeline is and, and what yeah. it would take for, for, you know, what, what the timeline is going to have to be for them to get in with him to, in order to get him outside of that, there's some guys in California. I think Jaden Rashada is a guy you keep an eye on out in, in Northern California. Obviously Sark's comfortable recruiting passers out there. And then, you know, I don't really know from there. There's, uh, there are. It's not a great quarterback class in the state next year, um, outside of, of of Arnold, and so we'll just kind of see how it develops. But I don't think you're going to see a move anywhere until they have a feeling that they're out of it for for Arch. That's when you'll know. Oh yeah, much. for sure. <laughs> when they offer someone else, he's giving them the answer that the answer is no. Definitely makes sense to me. Uh, you got any for questions, sure. Jeremy? 
Uh, no, yeah, just great to have Mike on again. Hell uh, yes. Third, third time here with Texas Football Talk. Really appreciate you, Mike. Please push your content, State of Recruiting Podcast, if you would, one more time. Yeah, State of Recruiting Podcast, uh, anywhere you find your podcast, and now on the Horns 24-7 YouTube network. Uh, Mike Roach 247 on Twitter. You can find me most of the time on the message board at Horns 24-7. I try to take Sundays off. That's a day that um, you usually won't find much of me. I'm usually writing the stampede and spending time with my wife, who I've neglected for two or three days because of football at that point. So uh, Sundays are Sundays are a down day for me, but um, every other time I'm I'm pretty much available on the board to answer questions and, and put up some content. All right, a couple of admin notes before we get off here. Uh, there's 137 people watching. Please hit that like button if you would not mind. If this is the first time you join in Texas Football Talk, please hit that subscribe button. Uh, you got anything you want to add before I do the outro, Jeremy? No, do your thing, man. All right, man. Hey, you can find us on Facebook at Texas Football Talk, on Instagram at Texas Football Talk, and on Twitter at TX Football Talk. Um, uh, we're going to ask Mike kindly if we could put this on our podcast. Um, we are uh, presented by DraftKings. Um, you can go to promo code TPPN if you want to get some some inside information on some of that stuff. Uh, but we appreciate you listening, as always, and y'all have a wonderful rest of your week and hook them. Hook them. All right. Hook them. Thanks, guys.